We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dame Moore NBA podcast coming to you Wednesday morning. It's October 10th. I got Britt Robson from Min Post here with me today to preview the Wolves' wings position. Uh, last week, Britt and I did a preview of the bigs. We had on Cat, Rudy, Nas Reed, Luca Garza, Leonard Miller. So if you want some more specific talk on any of those guys, I go back a week in the feed to listen to that. Today we're doing again the wings, uh, which I have made the executive decision of choosing. <laughs> These are the six wings on the Wolves: uh, Jade McDaniel's, Kyle Anderson, Troy Brown Jr., Josh Minot, Matt Ryan, and Jalen Clark. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into the wings, and I'm sure we'll kind of sprinkle some talk about the the two preseason games in there sure. uh, over, the, over the course of the episode because you and I haven't talked on the show since then. The only Brit take I have on Timberwolves preseason basketball is this tweet here. <laughs> we are in the Trevor Keels portion of the game without putting too much stock into early October preseason. All the aspects Wolves fans would like to see, Cat and Rudy, Synergy, Rugged and Versatile, Wing Play, etc. We're pretty well checked off on this trip Britt, that's a a positive review of the the abu dhabi wolves well um, i mean you don't you know say, what, right it's been good you, you don't know whether it's the mavericks or the wolves or both you know i mean the mavericks started two rookies and it's they, at least both man it, dallas was yeah, bad right, like right, i think right. the wolves were good i mean dallas, they, yeah. dallas clearly didn't know what to do on defense for the first half of the first quarter I mean, you know, they just literally did not know, and it was 19-3 to three before anybody could blink. Uh, yeah. But that said, you know, I mean. I think they put a game plan together for, like, who everyone was going to guard if Ant played. And then <laughs> right. Ant got yeah. rolled out, and they were like, yeah, whatever. That's just do the probably same it, thing. yeah. <laughs> and, and plus, they are rookies. And, you know, and yeah. it's uh, and Luca doesn't play great defense. And Luca, I think, was having trouble figuring out or – other people are having trouble figuring out how to play with Luca because uh, he is an acquired taste. If you're going to be a sidekick for him, um, he does certain things. Uh, anyway, what I enjoyed about Abu Dhabi, first of all, I mean the most obvious thing is Cat looks fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean he just looks like 
you wonder whether that sullen press conference was a, a harbinger for something good or something bad. Right. It was a harbinger for something good. He clearly wants to let his play do the talking, uh, play within himself, give up the ball, make quick decisions. I mean, all the things you want to see out of Cat. And again, you know, it's two preseason games at the beginning of October, so all bets are off in terms of whether or not this is uh, a sustainable upward trajectory. But anybody who saw Cat play in those two games said, if he can play like this on a continuous basis, uh, you just might as well tack on three or four minimum, three or four wins to the Wolves' win total. Because on defense also, he and Rudy were doing a really good job of switching, you know, uh, perimeter and paint. And, you know, there were a couple of plays, obviously, inevitably, where, uh, you know, there were breakdowns, but and Cat was contesting decently. Uh, Don't you think there were more breakdowns on the defensive side? I feel like I'm on it. Oh, well, yeah, much many more breakdowns on the defensive okay. side. I, but, I mean, at the same time, uh, I thought the I, uh, offense was great, and I thought the defense was like, okay. And, and well, but like, some not, of not that just for is, Cap, but for the, whole, for the whole team. And I feel like both have been equally praised, and I think that does a disservice to how good the offense was. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. But I would also say that um, there were, with Luca, certainly in game one, game two, the defense was a little hinkier. And part of that was Ant was on the floor. Uh, but I really do think that um, Luca was a one-man show and fairly unstoppable in the first game when he wanted to be, you know. He had 25 and, points in the first half, guarded exactly. by Jaden McDaniels, yeah. Exactly. And McDaniels a, a few times did a great job on him. But I, I think that's one of the things. When you have such a ball-dominant and great player, it's hard to play team defense because you don't really know what to do, especially if it's your first preseason game. So I'd give him a little bit of a mulligan on uh, team defense. Um, I, I remain impressed with Nikhil Alexander-Walker's defense, and Jaden is going to be Jaden, I think. Um, I do. I was impressed, though, with not so much the execution, but the spacing of Cat and Rudy on defense. I thought they interchanged, both came out, both dropped, both, you know, Cat did more rotating, obviously, but both were um, all over the court, as it were. Sure. Uh, and and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see traditional big down, others up, uh, and yet I know that that's the best way for them to play. So they need a hybrid of that. Yeah, diversity of coverage. And I, I think the hybrid, we saw enough of the hybrid, uh, not so much, again, the execution, but the idea of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was Dallas. Rudy told me before they left, you know, in the last press conference before they left, um, that they weren't preparing for Dallas per se, but you can't help but think that Rudy's probably not going to be up that much against sure. almost any other team, you know. And he was up a lot. He dropped well, I thought, relatively. I think where they got in trouble usually was in both semi-transition and when they got to the middle of the floor. I don't think the team knows how to play the middle of the floor yet in terms of from arc to rim. Mm. Uh, attacking straight up the gut confuses their, their assignments. I, I mean, that's what I saw anyway. 
Yeah, and that was leading to a handful of, like, if you expose the middle of the floor and it's in pick and roll, it's going to lead to some of the lobs. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. that, yeah, that's what was happening. Well, talk about defense. And again, we can, let's sprinkle in some preseason talk through all of this. But uh, Jaden McDaniels, let, let's start there. Uh, okay. With the, the wings. He only played in one of the, the two right. preseason games. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have much of a swing one way or the other on what I thought or think uh, about Jaden McDaniels based um, on on those two games, I I just when I was putting down what to you know talk about with this, I feel right. like so much of the the Jaden conversation, you know, since the season ended, has been about the extension and what the you know what the the value is of it, this like value proposition of the next right. five years, yeah, which kind of ignores the immediate question, which is who he was last season and who he can be this season. Right. And there is hopefully um, some sort of positive Delta there, right. And improvement uh, for, for this season. So I, I wanted to focus a little bit more in on uh, what we remember him doing last year, some of the numbers of, of what he did uh, last season and kind of talk about those through the context of this slightly new roster, slightly yeah. new, more mature. Um, I like that idea. Yeah. First of all, contract talk, everybody's an expert until the truth comes out. And then like maybe 20% of the people knew what was going to happen. So, yeah. I mean, I don't like to talk about that stuff. And secondly, um, everybody will be shocked if Jade McDaniels isn't on the team long-term. So, you know, what the actual number is, I don't care. You know, it, I, I, as the person who talks about, it, I'm going to do a little <laughs> pushback on that. It, uh, <laughs> It it matters again for the big picture, right? If Jaden if, if Jaden comes in at five or eight million more than we thought it would be, that has an impact on the big economic picture for this team. Again, that's not what we're doing today when we're talking about previewing him and who he can be on this team for this season when he's going to make like four million bucks, right? That's right, right. money is not even um, a, a factor here. I, I would I would just say for me in in looking. Uh, kind of like the the refresh of my brain with the Wolves over the past month of getting ready for the season. When I've looked um, at stats, mm -hmm. the two people who have really stood out as even better than I remembered or had to remember how good statistically they were were Mike Conley and uh, and Jaden McDaniels. Absolutely, and, agree. I, and, I agree on both. And and it's it's meaningful, right? Because it's like. Both of the, for Mike and Jaden, like we think of Jaden's main thing as like the defender, right? He's the strong point of attack right. defender, one of the best in the league. And we ignore the offense to some degree and how efficient and effective he was. Same with Absolutely. Mike, right? He's the quarterback yeah. of the offense. And we, and you think about him as the mature sensei, right? As you always say. Right. And, but also like the, the numbers were, were really the guys a score, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they, they both were, they both were right. effective scorers. I mean, just, just going through some of this. Just points per shot attempt uh, last year for Jaden McDaniels of the 33 forwards who played 1,500 plus minutes, basically, you know, like starting forwards. Jaden was eighth in in points per shot attempt. That's just overall yep. efficiency, 40% from three, which is seventh among those forwards, 59% from two. I think we forget that. I was like, yep. oh, my God, almost 60%. That exactly. was second amongst those 33 forwards. The only one who was better was... Aaron Gordon, who doesn't really play. Gets bunnies all the time, right? Yeah, right. It's more of like a center. And and Jaden was 72% at the rim, mm -hmm. fourth amongst those 33 forwards, only behind Aaron Gordon, Gordon Hayward, 
and Pascal Siakam. Gordon Hayward, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's still a good player. People don't know that. I know, but at the rim, I just, you know, I, I imagine him as a jump shooter, right? I would like the thing you to be caught about that is that Jaden was the fourth <laughs> best. But we, we well, go to- hey, I, when I prepared for the Finch interview, Jaden's stats stood out all over the place as yeah. well. I mean, he's uh, – and when I talked to Finch about it, I just said, how do you get this guy more usage? And Finch said, you don't. You know, there's just – we talked about it, and you don't. You can't. There's too many guys who need to be fed in this lineup. And uh, I think you can in transition. Yeah, that could be, although that's what you think about Ant. I mean, everybody should get fed in transition. And also, if he is going to be more of a rim protector this year when he's off the ball, then he's not going to be going down the floor as much as he's getting rebounds. So I don't know. You know yeah. Guarded yeah, breaks no, no. himself. No, I, I get it. Um, I guess what I would say as you asked my to answer to your original question, what do I think when I think back to last season yeah. about, uh, is that role players, um, there's a couple of things they have to do. They have to sublimate their ego for the greater good of the team much more than anybody else. Um, that's what makes them role players. That's why they're called role players. They're like character actors in a movie. Uh, they add spice but if they add too much, it ruins the taste of the game. If they add too little, uh, they are easily replaceable and diminish in value. So some of it is timing. Some of it is knowing when when you need to contribute and in what way you are contributing. And that is what McDaniels made his biggest improvement on last year, in my opinion, is his usage went up 1% but his impact on the offense went up much more than that. And that's because of his timing and his decision-making and his skills, quite frankly, but that fed into it. Even though his skills improved, his usage didn't go up incredibly, but when he was contributing and how he was contributing made the splash that wetter, you know? And so that was a great sign for somebody who's 22, 23 years old. Um, and what I will say about what I saw him this year, and everybody kind of thought this was going to happen last year. We had rumors, and now we had rumors again this year. But he's bigger. He clearly is bigger. Uh, you know, when he, in the first quarter of the first game, where he shot that fadeaway in traffic from like 10 feet, that can't be blocked. Can't figure out. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, still uh, still to be determined if that's a good shot. Oh, I know. But I mean. But, but like there's can, value he, in being able to. He can get turn. over. He could shoot over people who are guarding him. Which, he he said know. that at media day, right? Remember? He was like understanding where and when my shots can't be contested. Because he's like, I'm so uh, good. You yeah, know? He, yeah, he, said, right, he said something right. like that. Yeah. And, and, and then, of course, as a cutter, if you have the, you know, if you're a a flowing player who's cutting the basket and also 6'11", you know, whew, you know, that's, that's, so there's a lot of. I always want more strength from him on those though. Like yeah. it's like a risk strength yeah, with yeah, the no, ball and like uh, the ability to do it. But like, but that with the getting bigger and getting older, like 
that's a reasonable thing, I think, to bake in. And if he's already shooting 72% at the rim, he's already shooting 60% on twos overall. If he can start kind of like taking a bump a right. little bit more and scoring, I, I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard for the overall percentages to be much better than that could be, period. Right, right. Um, but maybe with volume or against a better defender, he can you know maintain some of that. Like, yeah, I mean, the, obviously it's the green arrow going up for him. And one of the things <clears throat> that Finch also said was uh, when we did ask him because of injuries or whatever to give us more at that end, he could. Hmm. And so even though the usage is not expected to go up, um, the Wolves have more depth in the lineup just because of, what he has added to his game, um, you know, the old thing about when you bring somebody back, if you're getting an injured player back, mm-hmm. you know, that's like getting a new player. Well, if you're able to expand somebody's skill set, it's the same dynamic. If, if Jaden all of a sudden conflicts to fill a void because somebody's injured, mm-hmm. that's that's greater depth without adding players, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really see, uh, I mean, bottom line, He's incredibly valuable because he is slotted into a spot where he is featured in his best skills and he knows how to contribute with his high-level subsidiary skills in a way that fits a good to great role player. And so uh, that's how really, really good teams are made. That's how you get to host playoff games for sure uh and and when you have that uh three through seven on the roster that are really fucking good players uh you know and and Jaden is headed that's where his trajectory is i think mm-hmm. yeah it just makes your shield bigger right as a team right. for a playoff series of areas that that can't be exposed um what do you what do you think he's going to shoot from three this year? Shot thirty nine point eight percent last year. Thirty seven point six. That that that'd still be good. I, I it like, would be good. I, I I wonder if there's a world where that could drop to like thirty three, thirty four. Well, here's the thing: uh, if he plays off ball a little bit more, then um, I do think that he's going to, it's going to be an adjustment for him in terms of his spacing at both ends of the court, I think. And I also think that if and when, and it was kind of an anomaly because he was on the floor with Nikhil in that first game, and that was the only game he played. So we don't really know what he'll be like when he and Ann are on the floor, which didn't happen because both were injured in the two succeeding games. So they haven't been on the floor together. And that will be interesting. It was gratifying to see him and Kat kind of get their mojo back. Right. Um, I do think it's kind of like Nas slots in at the Cat spot and you don't have to change things. The fact that Nikhil can slot in in the Cats, I mean, in the Jaden spot, and yep. you don't have to change a lot about what you do. Um, and Nikhil is somebody who likes to shoot the three. I think he's got confidence now. Uh, so I think he'll probably, Jaden will probably have it be a heavier percentage of a shot mix uh, just because he'll be used to that position, you know, 
getting threes out of that offense and the offense will be more structured. Usually more structured offense means more open threes if you're performing right. right. So, um, but I think that increased volume usually knocks a couple of percentages off a player. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he can remain at near 40% oh, yeah. and, and increase his volume, holy shit. You know? Right. right. That, that's what I'm just thinking. And, and you know, it's like, I, I've always kind of thought his dynamic scoring place on the floor more so than shooting threes would be using his size to to finish at the right. basket. But he, he did both last year. So yeah, it's like to, to expect or to assume he can't, um, you know, that, that's that's wrong. That, that's not a, a fair stance to take. I want to talk more about him in the context uh, of Nikhil because I think that really tweaks his position probably in a good way offensively and defensively. Uh, but first, Britt, let's uh, let's hit on Wolves Fest this uh, this Saturday. Britt and I will be um, at Falling Knife, <clears throat> excuse me, Falling Knife Brewing Company in uh, in Northeast Minneapolis this Saturday. Uh, Wolves Fest starts at four o'clock. Uh, we're going to do a pod at five o'clock. The Wolves play the Knicks at six thirty. We'll all watch that that game together. I got a a, a text from the owner today. They said they are going to uh, have a special beer on tap for Wolves Fest. Their kind of main one of their main beers is called Verbal Tip. This one's oh. Verbal Tip Off. All right. Um, so we're we're tweaking things. We're doing uh, Wolves specific things. Hopefully, maybe have some Wolves specific beers over the course of the year, which will be fun. Overall, we're just you know grateful for. Uh, for Falling Night to be a place, I think, to, to get people to gather. Britt and I like uh, going there to hang out, and particularly when there's a game on. I think it's a, a fun way where even if you don't want to sit around and watch us talk for 45 minutes, come come watch the game with a, a, a bunch of people. The Wolves are uh, obviously back stateside playing the, uh, playing the Knicks. So we will be there again this Saturday. Come at like 4 o'clock, show at 5 o'clock, Wolves game at 6.30. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Keep moving on, Jaden Britt. Um, maybe flip over to the defensive side of the ball a little bit. I mean, I sure. know we've kind of done the the foul thing conversation, but if we're doing a preview of the wings, Jaden is the main wing on this roster. Right. Um, and he has historical fouling issues. Right. And um that I think we can believe this season will go down for two reasons. Uh, one, he's not going to need to be on the ball as much due to the presence of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And then two, uh, with some of that maturity and better understanding the game and understanding that like the what these refs are calling on you, fair or not, like right. navigating that, we should it, it shouldn't be, you know, 18 games into the season. And we're like, man, it's been like 11 games where Jaden has had to come out multiple times for – and that, that's actually a fairly that's a fairly accurate percentage. Right. I mean, that's it was it, it was incredible how how often foul trouble uh, really forced the wolves to audible mm -hmm. into a different thing, which is why, unlike many other people, especially in these parts, um, I wasn't outraged that he wasn't on the All NBA defensive teams because you have to show up, you have to be in the games. And there were a lot of games where he just couldn't get the burn. He couldn't get the minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, Finch thinks that a lot of it is emotional maturity. And if so, um, I'm not sure I agree as much as he says it, but 
you know, breaking your hand and missing the playoffs is like the uh, a big, you know, signal message event that says you you need to get your temper in order. You need mm. to not be so competitive that you lose the forest for the trees. Don't don't let your man score on you if you have three fouls and you're they're relying on you to guard this man for the next eight minutes. Um, so I would love to see him uh, play within himself a little bit more. I still think because he is not a put your body on the guy, he's not a physical defender in the sense that he's bumping you off track with his physicality. He's far more of a a stopping you from where you're trying to go. Stop being in 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 your way, and also uh, if you are gliding down, following you, and waiting for you to commit before you do something. Mm. And it's a great strategy, except for the smarter foul drawers in the NBA that know to go into him at a certain time. He gets a lot of fouls from people who know how to make a foul look worse than it is. And because he's a shadower like that, there is a distance that the the guy with the ball can make up and create the foul, create the contact. And so I think he, he loses out on more 50-50 calls than anybody, partly for that reason. Um, I think he gets a bad, bad whistle from the refs. Um, I think his size, if he if he plays into his size, if he can be as lithe and coordinated as he was last year at six ten and a half, six eleven, whew, man, uh, you know, again, there's a lot of reasons. Uh oh, <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to think that he will be the second best player on the Timberwolves in in two years. Sure, I think. I think. Well, and, and I think this year it's reasonable to, again, expect him to overall be a better defender, probably cross into that all defensive level of, of player. Because, I mean, we're, we're listing off these reasons of his body type and his style and whatever of why he got the fouls. The reason he got a lot of fouls is because he guarded more pick yeah. and rolls than almost any other wing in the, the entire league. I, I was looking at it, just pick and roll possessions defended last season, number one in the just volume. Uh, Drew Holiday defended the most. It makes uh, sense. DeJounte Murray, the second most. Hmm. Jaden McDaniels, the third most. Uh-huh. And and that's there's just this heavy volume of that. And then when I was going through the numbers, um, just some of the more counting numbers, he was third in, in the NBA in block rate for forwards of those, again, those forwards that played uh-huh. 1,500 minutes. Right. That's that shadowing. Well, it, th- that's that shadowing, but also don't you think his block rate, he's going to block more shots this year if he's also situationally exactly. playing exactly. off ball more? Right. Like, I, I think a not all that bold, you know, call would be to say Jaden leads wings in blocks this season. Blocks mm. per game, blocks per 36, blocks per mm-hmm. 100. Because he was already way up there right. when he was guarding the ball as much as he was. I really think there is going to be some of those rotate over from the corner, a lot of those. He's going to be in that position more often. I think he can block a lot of shots in that, you know, just using his his length in, in that area. So um, I'm, I really think the defensive product overall 
should get better. And the only thing that would really hold it back is the fouling, which I think is reasonable to anticipate going down at least some. Right. I, I, it's hard not to be bullish on what he can do at both ends of the court. Um, in some ways, weirdly enough, though, everything went right for him last year, you know, except for, the, you know, obviously the following did, but he played a lot. Yeah, I think he might have been like either second or third on the team in minutes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was able to flash his skills more when people went down. Um, and so if, if given how the grind of what he plays, you know, he's obviously very, very uh, athletic naturally and skilled and is a gym rat. Um, mm. But if he gets hurt, you know, I mean, again, that's obvious for everybody, but I, you know, he, he's been remarkably injury free this far, I think, you know, I mean, he did have while, that, while punching know, aside. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I I want to do this while, while while we go through the uh, these wings, but also some of the guards. I wish we would have done this uh, with the bigs as well. I want you to guess, or also listeners to pause and guess who each player's best net rating partner was last year. Who do you think Jaden McDaniel's best net rating partner was last season of the seven uh, players of uh, the seven, seven players he played over five hundred minutes with. Okay, I know Rudy's in the mix. I don't know if he's up top, but he 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 I think he was good with Rudy. Um I don't think I don't think I would have got this. Okay, well, uh, I'm already uh I can't see that, but I know that's why I don't feel bad about <laughs> putting it on the screen. <laughs> and okay, good. Uh no, it that was the most minutes he played. Oh, most minutes, I see. His best partner was uh Kyle Anderson. Ah, all right. Which well, maybe again. just be a guess for everyone, but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> him and Ant plus three point nine. Uh, Jaden and Gobert plus one point nine. Uh, Jaden and D'Lo minus zero point six. His best one again was Kyle Anderson plus six point one. Cat uh, and Jaden were plus two point seven. Jaden and Conley, or uh, I think that was his second best one, plus four point five. And then Jaden and Nas Reed minus zero point. Four, which I think is all a way of a good way of us to transition over to Kyle Anderson because that's kind of yeah. who and what Kyle Anderson does is bring the most out of those he is surrounded by, or that's certainly what he did last season. And I mean, if you think about the kind of players that get boosted by Slomo, guys like Gobert and Jaden, guys who don't initiate on their own, require initiation, mm-hmm. and uh. And that's what he does. I mean, he figures out he's like a. He, he always says, "I'm a point guard," and he 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 speaks it into existence. You think when he's doing it, rather than actually, it's a fact. But uh, I do think that he thinks on the floor like a point guard at all times, and is thus much more comfortable when it's his variation of point guard play. He is not a point guard that operates at the arc. He is a point guard that operates at the nail, at the foul line, in the center of the floor. And he's not a guy who makes long skip passes. He's a guy who makes the 10 foot pass that's the right short, small window type. Exactly. And also somebody who isn't 
overtly being like no look or omnidirectional, but knows how to make great feints one way and then mm. a pass the other way. He's kind of like a, a quarterback that is often regard, referred to as a game manager rather than a superstar, somebody who understands the system and doesn't get enough credit for the skill required to make the system hum. Mm. And that that's what he does, I think, is uh, he's ex- extremely cerebral player and plays, you know, gets his nickname honestly, plays with great deliberation, and for that reason is really good for players who, like I said, need that assist. Not only is it, are they getting that assist, but he's telegraphing that assist and mm. being able to pull it off anyway, which... He doesn't ambush people that much, except with the fact that people forget exactly how good of a play he is. Mm. But uh, what he's doing, you can kind of watch it unfold, you know, and that's what makes him so so much fun when he's on his game. It, it was interesting when you were saying that, like, the more traditional program. I'm like, yeah, he didn't run that much pick and roll, but he, he kind of did. I'm looking it up now. 245 possessions last season in 80 games of pick and roll plus if you include the ones that they were tight passed on what did you say they were tight pick and roll i mean they were not uh perimeter pick and rolls that much i don't think yeah maybe in like a lot of the maybe like little empty corner uh with rudy kind of more dribble handoffy types you right. know I'm, I'm just looking at it here he ran <clears throat> 245 and there's 125 players who ran 245 pick and rolls uh last season um, relatively, you know, over a point per possession on those, which is kind of middle of the pack, 1.016 middle of the pack for that. But yeah, he's more of the point guard in the sense of we just want you to get us into our offense or when our offense breaks down, can we find you to ping ping, uh, find something, you know, quick for them in, in the late shot clock. Offense. What Finch seems to love about him is he's comfortable in improvisation, but in his improvisation, he is settling down his teammates. And that's a hard thing to do, to be improvisatory, to be able to be spontaneous and react, but at the same time, do it in a manner that doesn't create a lot of slapstick or a lot of, you know, strain. It requires being slow, man. That's what you're describing. (laughs) You can't do that if you're not slow. Everything you just said. They're like moving literally slowly, right? Slow, right. but I guess deliberate. Yeah, um, and it really helps if you're, you know, six nine with enormous arms, and uh, totally. you know, and you know, he just and and he does have that. It's hard to believe that he's about to do what he's about to do, even in slow motion, because he <laughs> looks kind of ponderous. He looks like I know some, somebody who looks that way shouldn't be, you know. It's the, the Boris Diaw effect. I mean, there's a lot of guys. It's the classic. Who come the NBA. Why you know? does this guy keep scoring on us and pick up? Like, right, exactly. It is a yeah. playground game, you know? Right. Yeah. He's. There's always one of those guys, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, when he was 14, was a point guard, and now he's like 38 year old pot bellied guy who still knows how to do all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think when you, you look at. Kyle's numbers uh, from last season, the the things that that really stick out are the how well he shot from three 
and then how effective he was as a defender. Um, the 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 three point percentage up near forty percent as well after not having been you know a shooter for right. a reliable shooter at all really uh, in his career. Obviously, I think we could probably bake in a little bit of uh, regression there. Defensively, though, and the impact he had, I mean, he in some of these metrics, he, he checks out as like 98th percentile. And that uh, is not the eye test I see. I really don't. Do you notice him being that impactful as a defender? I don't when he's on the court. I, I think it's I think it's that they needed help in like filling gaps. Uh, I think he comes down on the ball really well, makes uh-huh. passes harder. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it was it actually was 93rd percentile as, as a defender. Really but but yeah, yeah, still really, really good. But he's had this his whole career, man. I I guess I could throw, throw this up on, on the screen as well. But he he's been a really high level impact defender. So here, I mean for those who are watching on the screen, uh this is defensive estimated plus minus here. You go back to his career, his rookie season 52nd percentile, but then he's consistently been 86th percentile as a defender, 96th percentile in San Antonio, 96th percentile in San Antonio, goes wow. to Memphis, 91st defender, 83rd percentile defender, 91st percentile defender, 76th, and then he comes to Minnesota and he's 93rd. So, yes, like, I mean, to each their own on what they think about these metrics and how good they are. Personally, I'll just say that I think defensive estimated plus minus is the best catch all individual metric that that we have doesn't mean it's perfect you'll find some random names right. uh, on there still but but this is a, a statistical signal for analytic departments and thing and things like that that believe um in the impact of this that say he is consistently a player who straight up the opponents are scoring less against they're shooting a lower percentage um you're generating more turnovers against uh he he's been that so if i'm thinking one of the two regress Kyle being a 93rd percentile defender or Kyle shooting 39% from three. Um, I think the defense is more bankable. Okay. But let's, let's talk. I, I hope I'm not really derailing no. your, your chain of thought, but this is something you brought up recently when we talked that it, it's stuck in my mind ever since he is better mm-hmm. at the four than he is at the three. And that makes all kinds of sense to me. Oh yeah. Uh, how does his game translate? this coming season with Cat or Nas next to him almost all the time. Because those two guys theoretically are exactly the kind of guys that kind of get in his way, if you know what I mean. Or, totally. Or, you know, or, or are not complimentary slow-mo mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. I, no, I, absolutely. I, I, I think we have to touch on that uh, again. And he was, that was the difference. If you didn't listen to me and Britt before, that was, the difference in Memphis, if you look last year, <clears throat> he played 89% of his minutes at power forward was awesome. In Memphis, the year before that, he played 82% of, of his minutes at power forward was awesome. Put the year before that, 80% of his minutes at power forward, that was it was awesome. But you go back before that, the, the year before that, 1920 or 1819, and he played 75% of his minutes at small forward, and they got crushed in those minutes, and he was significantly better at power forward. Uh, the the same thing goes the first year. They kind of did the first two years uh, in Memphis where they played him at a small forward more often than they did power forward. And just historically, his numbers have always been better um, at the four. Now, he's a hard player to define positionally. And I think, you know, some people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, what's a small forward versus a power forward? 
I'm with that broadly, but it, we know those teams well enough where we go, oh, yeah, those Memphis teams, they played two bigs, like right. two traditional. Like, it was Valanchunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. or Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., which so when Kyle was playing, he was a small forward next to two traditional bigs. Same thing back in San Antonio next to, you know, like LaMarcus Aldridge, Tim Duncan, David West, when he played small forward, it was next to two true bigs. Playing small forward on the Timberwolves is going to be like playing next to true two true bigs, which he has historically done. The team has been less successful when he's doing it. Now there's different schemes, different systems. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, in four months from now, we're looking at net rating. And again, Kyle Anderson's all over the green uh, in, in that way. But this is like, I think this is very reasonable to to bring up as we're thinking about him making a relatively large positional shift this season. Now that that cat's back and that Nas is part of the mix, a more committed and, part of the mix. And just on a macro level, if you want a slow-mo playmaker, you'd much rather have him at the four than at the three, you know, slow-mo playmakers at the three, just yep. that seems like, uh, uh, then you say to yourself, well, you know, mm -hmm. what's the four like? What's the five like if we're doing that? I mean, it it just, I don't know. Both Cat and Nas seem to be really good at, at their own play creation, you know, and, and really kind of use it to get themselves going. I mean, if you see both Cat and Nas, if they take somebody off the bounce and score on a layup or, you know, basically do a crossover dribble, step back three. Um, those are the kinds of plays that are in their wheelhouse, you know? And those are the things that slow-mo, um, he can't help with that at all. He's a bystander like everyone else. And so, whereas if you have a guy like Jaden, as we, you know, going full circle in terms of how mm -hmm. much he they play well together, or Rudy, um, the kinds of things that slow-mo does really benefit their game because all, all the things that are difficult for them are removed and they get right. fed into their natural skill set. Well, removing those things from guys like Nas and Cat kind of removes some of the tastiest things about their game that they like and that fans like. And and so therefore it's right. an identity thing. And And these are things that can be resolved and can be mitigated but there is part of teamwork is making each other feel good and mm -hmm. that's you know Ru when rudy was struggling like crazy slow-mo would come into the game and make rudy look like a, a coordinated human being again and, and make him feel good exactly that's yeah. my point is that it when you have guys who were all of a sudden all right you know i'm not embarrassing myself out here on the court in the end of the court i don't play well in all of a sudden, your play at both ends gets better. And mm -hmm. that's going to be true for Cat and Nas, who need to shine on offense to keep that mojo on defense where they're both much less competent. So mm -hmm. it is this kind of weird chemistry thing that I worry about, too. It will be interesting to track. I, I mean, I found my eye going to that with Kyle at the three. You know, I... I mentioned this a couple of times, but they're really going with that gigantic lineup. And I think that's going to be a staple of this team this season where you go with 
Rudy at the five, Cat or Nas at the four, Kyle at the three. They, and what they were doing in preseason was Troy Brown at the two and Shake Milton at the one sometimes. And that's right. that's six, 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 seven, six, nine, six, ten, seven, one. Like they they got a handful of different lineups that they can use in that way. And I wonder if in those lineups, maybe that's where Kyle can kind of profit, like the gigantic lineups. He's not out there right, right. with another true point guard. So maybe he's the point guard of that group. Exactly. And shake and I think Bitch has that in mind, to be honest I, with you. And, and, and he did bring it up. He was bringing the ball up in right. in those situations uh, in in the preseason right. games. Like, I think he views – I mean, I think he views Shake as a point guard, too, or an, an initiator. Right. But maybe Kyle as a is higher in the dribble it up the floor uh, pecking order, at least, um, in, in that group. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, It was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ready to move on to Troy Brown? Sure. Uh, one one other thing I, I think I do want to say, though, is um, 
or maybe just ask you rhetorically so we can get into it. Where yep. do you think uh, is slow mo going to get his crunch time minutes in? I think that's a really interesting question because yeah. Finch has all kinds of faith in him, and he's on a you know finally over his contract. And uh, I, you have Ann on the floor, you have Cat on the floor, you have Rudy on the floor. Obviously, Finch has talked about openly. Sometimes one of those guys is going to be not on the floor. You know, you're not going to play Cat Rudy on the floor against certain lineups. Um, but slow mo, he's got such faith in him, and slow mo is invested in that time, and he's a good decision maker. Mm -hmm. It, it's. I think it's a real variable. I think it might happen a lot, or it might not happen nearly as much. I, I think the answer is opponent dependent, because, uh -huh. and I don't mean that totally as a cop out. I mean that right. in a specific of if you're not going to close with Rudy, then right. Kyle closes. That's true. I don't. I don't think you. I'd be pretty. I would be surprised at the frequency with which Cat and Nas close a game together at the five and four in which we I agree with that. I, I don't, that's, that's, that's you're, 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 you're given, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, we're, we're, we're much responsibility from people who are not responsibility adjacent. <laughs> uh, exactly. So I, well, that's what I was saying. I was saying, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I, so I agree. I, I think the, if you were to close with Kyle, you know, Maybe Jaden's fouled out, so he's at the three or something. But other than that, in a normal situation, I think it would be for Rudy, and then it would be Cat, Kyle, Jaden, Ant, Conley to close games situationally. Again, when it was an opponent, as was the case when they played like Dallas at the end of last season or Brooklyn at the end of last season, and Rudy didn't close games, the, the, a couple games. I think it would be that I, I'm not mentally prepared for a Cat not closing a game situation yet. Even though I, we know Rudy and Kyle works pretty well together uh, as a as They a do parent. work really well together. I think if that were to happen, it would that be... That one's going to be a political one, I I, I would... Or, think. you know, Kat may take the decision out of controversy by being in late fall trouble. And then you say, when do you bring them back? Well, they're running well, didn't, was going to bring them back, didn't bring them back because didn't have to, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I, I can foresee those kinds of games. Um, but again, if Cat plays as well as he played in his two preseason games that, you know, he were resting a tiny amount of weight on, uh, then, you know, <laughs> by all means, he's got to be there to finish. All right. Let's, let's, let's uh, do the last thing with the, the Kyle Anderson. I forgot about this. Best net rating pairing last season. Oh, that's tough. That is tough. I'm going to say Rudy again. I mean, he and Rudy really were good, but actually, no, because Rudy was a net negative for the end. I was think, just thinking, I'm biased by who Rudy plays well with. Jade McDaniels and Kyle Anderson were the two guys. So I'm going to say Conley. No. <laughs> no, it was Rudy, man. Kyle was it Rudy? Rudy. Okay. Kyle and Rudy plus 7.1. I'll thought myself. Kyle and Ant plus 2.8. Kyle and Jaden plus 6.1. Kyle and D'Lo plus 3.5. Kyle and Mike Conley plus 1.7. Kyle and Nas Reed. Kyle and Nas Reed yeah, minus 6.9. I got to tell you, that's exactly why those guys have a different rhythm about them. I I don't disagree with that. And then Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince, also very good, plus... 6.7. Um, yeah. So 
Did Kyle ever get on the floor with Nas? Nah. Uh, Nikhil Alexander. I mean, Walker. it might be a low amount of minutes. I'm scrolling here. <laughs> uh, not does not look like it was uh, okay. Like it was it not was very statistically much. significant. Yeah, but I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, Kyle and Rudy, Kyle and Rudy. Um, oh boy, uh, only 197 minutes, but Kyle and Na minus 11.4. Yeah, yeah, really. That's what I, you know why? Because Na likes to his decision making is idiosyncratic. Uh, and that. so uh, it kind of messes up Slomo's blueprint, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think that's, if we were wrapping Kyle, like, that's what it is. It's like, right. there's a blueprint of players in which he plays best with and or really gets the right. most out of. Right. And I think Finch is very uh, in in tune with, with what that that's is. That's Micah's whole job in some respects. That, that Micah Nora, yes. Um, all right, let's just uh, quickly rattle through Troy Brown, Josh Minot, Matt Ryan, and and Jalen Clark. Um, I, I think we did get to see a decent amount of Troy Brown uh, yeah. in the, the and, first uh, two preseason again, games. Again, played well, I thought. Yeah, I mean, just this isn't a new take, but it, it's the Torian Prince role. But it's the Torian Prince role if it didn't have, you know, 16 minutes guaranteed a night uh, within the rotation. It's the optionality to guard a bigger wing uh torian prince oftentimes would guard luka Doncic once Jaden got in foul trouble you know that that type of player right. we saw that happen in the first preseason game troy brown was guarding him they left Nikhil on Kyrie or or Jaden hardy on on the point guard there now Nikhil guarded luka in the second game but i think troy brown is in the mix there as a big wing to guard other big guard wings uh we know about the shooting ability I think there's a little bit of playmaking hope with him, as Finch has referenced a few times. Right. The real thing I, I noted in, in watching those games, is I, and I hadn't looked at the numbers, uh, is the rebounding. I think mm-hmm. he's a, I think he's going to be a good half court rebounder. He's, he's six, six seven. seven. Okay, he, yeah. he's big. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I and I, we saw him in person at media day, but I saw him at that ping pong event too, and it was one of those. <laughs> that was like the the first time I had seen him in person in a way that I was trapped, right, like, right. thinking about it. I'm like, damn, that's a, that's a big, that's a big dude. You know, he's like, he's actually more of like the body type of like a small ball four, uh-huh. you know, that like size wise it, it, it looks like, but I, which again, Torian Prince, I, I think right, that right. that's the comp here, but his numbers um, in terms of defensive rebounding, uh, Troy Brown, particularly prior to his LA days, were all really good. The defensive rebounding, uh, rate numbers. So I think that's right up for all these bench guys who are on the fringe of the rotation or maybe just on the outside looking in it's, can you help in one of the areas that we know is going to be a weakness or has historically been a weakness. And I would say those main things are right. Three point shooting, yep. defensive rebounding mm-hmm. and transition. controlling the ball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Transition. I uh, just uh, minimizing turnovers. And I think Troy Brown in theory, checks, uh, a lot of those boxes. checks a lot of those boxes and is probably, you know, if it's nine guys and he's 10 and J-Max 11, you know, he's he's probably one injury away from 15 minutes a night on this team. Mm-hmm. I I was impressed with, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, his composure. Yeah. He doesn't look like somebody who plays beyond himself. Uh, um. LA is a great example of that last year. Just was super low usage, did exactly 
what a fifth guy would do on the floor when they're surrounded by those you know, are that Anthony is Davis, valuable. LeBron, like, I mean, yeah. not screwing things up is important, you know, and not breaking other teammates' rhythms. And uh, I, I just think if I wasn't down on the Gobert trade, uh, you know, um, for what happened last year, uh, you know, I'm modifying away and I don't want to keep raising it, except. I do want to put that out there as Tim Conley has just done a great job. I mean, didn't do a good job with Forbes and, and Austin Rivers last year, Minimums. obviously. Yeah. But um, he's built a great roster. And I would honestly even say, like, Forbes and Rivers was fine. Yeah. Rivers served a leadership purpose, and Forbes played terribly, but only because they he were so decimated. By and he yeah. couldn't shoot. I mean, yes. who would have guessed that? You know, mm -hmm. I mean... And, uh, but there's a so, greater investment in Troy Brown. Troy Brown right. is making more money this season than Bryn than Forbes and Austin Rivers right, combined, right, combined right, last exactly. season. It's a, it's a heavier investment in the end of the bench role. But it's just, I mean, the, the draft picks don't have to be pushed. They can develop at their own pace, and they all look promising with the exception of Wendell Moore Jr., who actually looked pretty good in, like everybody else overseas. But um, – I just think that this roster is really deep and flexibly deep. Uh, yeah. You can you can run out almost any kind of quintet you want, mm -hmm. and Troy Brown Jr. is a is a definitely a part of that. I mean, I don't mind having this conversation while we're on his section, yeah, be because um, he could play a little one slash two in a pinch, you know, as as like slow mo's enabler. Uh, yeah, it's a lot uh, like slow mo, and, like shake, like right. heel in a pinch. Yeah, right. And he can play, I think, uh, two to four on defense when he needs to, and he can play fast. I think he can play slow. He has the temperament to um, take a supporting supporting role, be a fifth option, mm -hmm. as you said. Uh, and I think that if you have a guy on the fringe of the rotation. Um, I think he'll stay ready too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think there's something about the way he operated at media day and I'm watching him on the court. I think he's a professional. And I, uh, He totally gives up that back. You, you know, he's only like, just turned 24 this summer. He's all a year. Reason, man, that's fabulous. Yeah. He's a year younger than like Luca Garza. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, he, he, he's still relatively young in it. The, the one thing I, I had written down and I, and the, uh, this is really not going off of anything. I don't know the answer to this. How physical is he? Uh -huh. and, yeah, and, that's, that's a good point. I, I want to, you know, because you, you do some of like the stereotyping of like. Right. Well, kind of uh, uh, but again, we're going to go back to Torian Prince. Torian Prince was an enforcer, but he was not physical as a defender. You know? it, I was watching the Lakers uh, Warriors Did he game. punch somebody or? No, but he had five <laughs> fouls. He had five fouls. With eight minutes left in the second quarter yeah. of the Lakers preseason game, and I'm like, I actually think TP's like a solid defender. I, yeah. I think he's going to be good for the Lakers. But that dude is like, if you are driving downhill at me, I am going to bump you. And I right, probably right, going, that right. was like, I'd always be like, oh my, God. like that would happen a decent amount where Torian Prince would get. And I, like I wonder though. I mean, I like so much of his identity on the Timberwolves, though, is as a veteran leader, and all of a sudden you got LeBron on your team. You yeah, know, it's, it's like uh, this weird kind of 
a lot of his thunder, non-basketball thunder is stolen. And right. I wonder if he's trying a little too hard to make up for it on on the court, you know, as not being like the wise man in the locker room. Uh, I think it'll be good there, man. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think, you know, I, I hate to say it. I think the Lakers, you know, built a pretty good team. I think yeah. they're going to be good. I, I do. I, and they hit on a, and if like one, and I don't, I'm not banking on this, but it's like, right. you got Christian Wood on a minimum, like Cam Reddish on a minimum. Can like any right. of those guys give you something? Uh, whatever. We're, we're not talking about the Lakers right now. Yeah. I will. LeBron can get them in line, you know. Troy Brown's best net rating pairing on the Lakers last year. Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say Davis. LeBron. Yeah, uh, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll get one of these. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm going to be bad at those. No, no, that is a hard thing. Uh, hey, to be yeah. bad, I was like, I was like, wait, should I not look these up in advance and do it with him? Because I would have got, no, okay. got Kyle and Rudy. You should have got that one. I'm a little yeah. disappointed. Well, I mean, I did. And then I, I talked myself out of it right here on the air. <laughs> um, Josh, why not? Uh, let's just rip through these last three guys uh, kind of quickly. Uh, really outside looking in i mean yeah. am i weird to is it a weird feeling to feel like he's really dropped down the pecking order and maybe we like falsely inflated him some but that, he, i think more the latter yeah. than the former i think and, he and, talked to kyle and, and more that was me. you <laughs> well me and, me and kyle are really really big i like that player type anyway yeah and I still do. One thing I I will still say about that guy, he makes positive things happen when he's in the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, he. Uh, I should have clipped you guys back and forth at media day. That was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, it's like. uh... You were like, I I love. It was like, I I love the chaos and all this. And Josh was like, well, I do think I could play actual basketball (laughs) too. He laughed, but it was. Right. But I got to tell you, I have less faith in that. And that's why I think with this more structure is one of the reasons why Josh Minot in summer league did not help himself. He played outside of his range, trying to impress people. And that's not a good thing for somebody who is trying to organically barge into the lineup. You do that by showing, reminding people why you're being talked about as being on the cusp of the lineup mm-hmm. to begin with. And instead he wanted to show people that he could be more of a playmaker, that he could do some fancy stuff, um, a little bit of a hot dog and a little bit of mustard in his game. Some of it's good. Some of it is not. Uh, but he is a great on the fly shot blocker, somebody who can create, yeah. you know, he's a disruptor. And he's also somebody, when the game has been disrupted by him or somebody else, is a, is a great uh, pouncer. He knows how to pounce on opportunities. Um, I think he is less good, and maybe some of it was playing. Him and Leonard Miller, I don't think, are a great fit. Uh, that's a Leonard Miller. Leonard Miller will win that comparison battle on the court together. Because um, Leonard Miller, I think, is has an already has an older man's game than Josh Minot. Josh Minot has a young man's game, and if they do have a hair on fire lineup, he should be in it. You know, um, and I think that lineup is a couple years away. 
if at all, right? Yeah. No, I, I just think in general, the Wolves' style of play moves more towards that as the roster evolves to more Ant Jaden-centric. I think for, for both Minot and uh, Leonard Miller, their whole kind of what I'm thinking about them as is how do they fit into this one or two years from now when I assume the style of play has probably changed some. Well, and obviously where they fit in is when you call the herd at the four and the five. And that's when you begin to really see, you know, or you, what you're doing is you're playing, you're playing small and fiery. You know, you're not playing big and deliberately. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we all in the back of our minds think that is going to come at the same time. We know that this is the beginning of at least a, a two year process by which they become, if they're going to mushroom into right. like legitimate championship contending aspiration, then they need to let this current thing that's happening really uh, sure. marinate. And that means that those guys we are talking about are just going to have to wait, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think some of the, like, maybe we expedite the waiting process with Minot specifically is I think moving him more into a wing role and outside of the deluge of big. If he can defend. I mean, and, I don't know. I, I, doesn't he strike you as the kind of guy who will get picked pretty easily? Yeah, but I also think he's kind of like the, the type of length and athleticism that kind of does the weird sprawling off the pick and is like weirdly <laughs> back in place. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Like, I don't think he's, I don't know if he's like gets buried by a pick guy. He's also a big dude for sure. Put on weight. I noticed that right. at media day. Also only 20 years old. So like, yeah, we don't, he's we got don't time to wait. That's right. He yeah. does have time to wait. And, and I do. I mean, I, I love, you can't teach opportunism. You can't teach uh, freak athletic skill deployed with good timing. Mm. Uh, you know, those are things that, that that's just somebody. On the other hand, if you're really good at that, it retards the development of other aspects of your game because mm. that's, that's a part of your game that you kind of rely on. And that's what I was talking to him about at Media Day where I said, you know, he's really good playing in chaos and creating chaos. But there, I think it's still an open question as to whether or not you could play, you know, if he was in a set offense. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think, you know. that that And that's what you're saying is like if he plays or when he plays, it's more in the hair on fire group. That's how it starts. That's his initiation. It, same, it was the same with Jared Vanderbilt. And Remember Nas. That? Nas, Nas Reed, same yeah. way. Yes. Like, and that's just kind of a young player, big right. athlete type guy, you know, like. Get him, you know, get him in there and have them in time. And look how much Jared Vanderbilt and Nas Reed learned about defense and positioning, exactly and rebounding. And, and, and why not is a smart guy, despite so you know all the, the goofy, fun things about him. You you forget, you know mm -hmm. that. Uh, I mean, having uh, I, I just totally feed him for. A I, I think he's dunk. a very proud kid too, in a way that I mean as a as a compliment and. um I, I hope he doesn't get like the Jalen Noel where oh. it's like two years in a row, I'm not playing three years, you know, that, that sort of thing. I, I think that in all seriousness had a real impact on 
Jalen Noel's development as yes. as a player. And and obviously that's not that's just a Wolves example that happens uh, all around the NBA. Uh, but you know, I think the thing with Minot is he is 20 years old. Makes sense to get him a lot of reps in the G again this year and and do all that. Whereas like Jalen, his second year was like 23, maybe. You know, yeah. it's just a, it's a little bit different. He of didn't a benefit from the Gupta contract. No, <laughs> he, he I don't thought. Think you know, wait a minute now. You know, yeah, yeah I yeah. signed something. He had Sam Vassell disease. He'd signed something and almost immediately regretted it. Sam Vassell. I'm not even, we're not even gonna. We could all Vassell put together how always, that works. He always signed a contract. And oh, Vassell. We, I thought we were oh, doing yeah. Kevin Vassell and Sam Vassell. Oh no, 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 no. You're Sam Vassell. I messed that one up. That's all right. Sam Vassell. Yeah. Uh, forever he, he in fact he he transfer his angst over his signing a bad contract mm. and arguing for better contracts for his teammates right <laughs> saying management screws it you know <laughs> well wait a minute you just signed a contract on them last year nobody held a gun to your head he was comical that way anyway uh i, don't know I think we, we, we got my not with that no yeah. i think i, I think, think we've we done my not right um just quickly on Matt Ryan and Jalen Clark, as I put them in this group too. Uh, I, I've always kind of had this hope with Matt Ryan, like a reasonable amount of hope as a two-way guy that he could evolve kind of into that Torian Prince, Troy Brown type role thing we're talking about, a, a bigger wing, uh, smart, knows where to be defensively, and then just shoots the shit out of it. Like that's, that's the hope. Right. I do have to say, and I know it's garbage time in a preseason game, but that was a, pretty horrific stretch of Matt Ryan play in the in, in Abu Dhabi but I only bring that up to say that's the only right. time we've seen him play anytime recently because and I don't something. mean to be cruel but he's destined to be a footnote in Timberwolves lore I mean you know that Matt Ryan is not going to be ascending beyond the 12th man role or the 10th man role I mean pick your garbage time guy you know it's interesting though so if that's true and I think I would I would lean that direction it's interesting to give him one of the two ways rather than like throwing a two-way at a 20 year old or a 21 year old or something like that who has more expectation for upside and i think to kind of rhetorically answer my own question i think he's on that as like a you know been around continuity culture yeah, locker room dallas locker yeah. room dallas and and you know every all these guys spend much more time on the plane and getting to the bus to the plane and dressing in the locker room. And, and I think he's tight with a lot you know, of the guys. Like yeah. he's tight with Luca, which makes sense. They both played uh, for the Iowa Wolves. But I always like thought him and Rudy were really like seemed to be. Yeah, there you close. go. Well, I mean, you if know, that's true, yeah. Rudy. You know, I mean, it isn't that Rudy is a, a bad guy or unpopular guy, but there seemed to be a generational difference beyond their years. Rudy always felt like the stepfather in that locker room. You know. Mm-hmm. And and so if you have a a stepchild that really gravitates to him, and they you know, yeah, I mean, and and I you know I don't I'm not in these guys' personal lives or anything. I've always just kind of noticed. So I'm like, oh wow, Matt Ryan and Rudy Gobert seem to talk and hang Making out. Making Rudy more. feel comfortable is just, better than most twelve men can do. So, right. um, to to the that we're very bottom of the roster, which is not. It's not a slight on Jalen Clark. Right. He just has a torn Achilles. Yeah. Um, I, I put him in this group as well. It totally, uh, if he was healthy, one of the guys I'd be kind of excited to watch him play in preseason a little bit and just to kind of actually watch, you know, what he looks like. And and also, 
be able to track a little bit of where he's at um, physically coming off of the the Achilles injury. Uh, but he, you know, he's not going to play. I'm not sure he even plays at all in the G League all season. This might just be a red shirt year uh, or whatever for him. But I, I like the kid's vibe. I'll, I'll say that we I like every time we've talked to him. We yeah. had two extended conversations with him thus far. Yeah. And at his media unveiling when he was a draft pick on stage, Loved it. he was a junkyard dog. Yeah. I mean, show me a wall, I'll run through it, et cetera, et cetera. Media day, he was an Eagle Scout. You know, I want to do good things for other people. It's like this crazy, I mean, two really impressive in their own way, self-contained identities that he flashed in two different. And neither really seemed fake. <laughs> No, that's, I mean, he, yeah. I don't think he is fake. I think he's, uh, I've heard plenty of Eagle Scout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, let's face and, it. We've, we've had but, some, but, but it we've was had but some it, quintessential yeah. fake Eagle Scouts. Yes. <laughs> but I, think, I, think, I, I, I really do think that, uh, we can't, we can't see him play. So all we can do is, is size him up in terms of what comes out of his mouth. And he's delivering. I mean, and he's been a fantastic. Uh, ten out of ten. He he's given your preferences into you know he's a versatile talker, <laughs> and, and and hopefully that versatility translates right. on to. Well, give me the junkyard dog over the Eagle Scout. You know, I was say, man. <laughs> I don't know. He seems like he seems like your type minus the Eagle Scouting, but the right. and I mean you know just I didn't watch a ton of them, but after they drafted him, like oh I, the clips, junkyard dog is his yeah. clips get you. Hard to not get excited about that. Yeah. He reminds me of Eric Bledsoe on steroids, you know. <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah, he's your he's your Okogi mold. Yeah, well, there you go. Right, if he could shoot, Okogi, you know. I mean, anytime you mention the word Okogi, oh, I said just, Okogi well, he won't be a Timberwolf for long. Yeah. Well, I, I, he's the fifty second overall pick. Odds are, yeah. he won't. But yeah. what he said at his introductory press conference, if this. If I don't work in the NBA, it won't be because I didn't do everything I could to do it. And, and in the way where you believed it, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, all right, Jalen Clark. Exactly. Exactly. You got to pull for him. You know, you do. he's one yeah. of those guys that uh, if he has a game where he gets like four steals, three points and mm-hmm. four rebounds and, you know, uh, basically shuts down a guy, uh, the post game interview will be glorious. Right. <laughs> We'll be ready. We'll All kinds of people will be cited, and uh, it'll, it'll be wonderful. Um, all right, Th- that is our uh, that is our wings preview. Uh, again, if you want something similar, we did this last week uh, with the bigs. I think if I have a list of it here somewhere of who our guards are, we guess we could probably do this off the top of our head. Next week we'll do Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards, Nikhil Alexander Walker, um, Shake Milton. What else am I missing in there? That's a guard that we haven't done yet. J-Mac. J-Mac. There we go. Um, so we will do that uh, again next week. Uh, we'll have also another uh, Wolves game uh, to talk about. I guess also Britt and I will be doing a pod on Saturday uh, at Falling Knife as well. Uh, and and for that, you know, we'll we'll take a bunch of your guys' questions there. Uh, we'll have a third mic. People can come up and, and ask questions. I think that's always the most fun there. So, you know, if me and Britt have been – Brit specifically, I, I I hope there's nothing that I've been missing because I've been doing daily podcasts in the middle of the preseason. <laughs> so if there's something that I somehow have missed or that uh, we haven't got to with Brit, come to Falling Knife. Ask or if questions. something we've said, you know, provokes yeah. a follow up is, you know, 
Exactly. Exactly. All you have to do is remind us of what we were saying because we won't remember. I, I forget as soon as I. No, dude, I'm doing. Out. I'm doing four or five times as many of these. <laughs> I, I don't remember either. Um, right. Let's. Uh, you and I were going to go to practice now. Are you going to go to practice? Nope. I got my sister here in town. Okay. There you go. Well, I, I'm going to head over there now. Um, I will be back uh, with Jace tomorrow, probably to talk about uh, what we here today from cat or ant or finch or whoever it is uh we we do talk to so that'll be coming up but brit appreciate you uh doing it you guys can follow brit on twitter uh at brit robson you can meet him at falling knife this weekend come through 4 p.m uh october 14th live show at 5 watch the wolves game at 6 30 uh until tomorrow with jace he's brit i'm dane peace out how i'm feeling man i hope it never stop yeah green it hard so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let standards ever ever bring you down yeah hope you're dancing like nobody else around this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.